0: Once again, my name is Laura and Welcome to my show, Your Money and Your Mindset. My favorite theme song by Pink Floyd, money, if you hadn't figured that one out. Okay, this show, uh, my mission for this show always is to go around looking for people who have become successful, who didn't come uh, complete with a Rolls Royce, but had to start from a standing start of some sort and work their way through. And in the process, we will uncover how they actually got to their turning point. So this is about, fundamentally, not just about money, this show, this is about wealth, wealth creation. And yes, it's great when you've got money in the bank, life's a lot sweeter, but it's also about having enriching personal relationships and having the wealth, uh, sorry, having the health to go with it and spiritually being fulfilled. So it's all of that bundled into one, which I've decided to call your money and your mindset because it is your mind that determines how far you get and uh, what comes of your life and the good news is that it doesn't have to be always the same way if it's not been what you wanted but in fact by changing your thinking you can change your circumstances and so our guest today has done just that and it's an incredible story that you will hear about and her name is and Reese. Have a wave. Hi, Hi. and uh, I'll just tell you a little bit about her. She's an author a business coach, a humanitarian, entrepreneur, and mother. So this is actually a very brief description of what Rien is, and it doesn't do justice when you have a listen to her story and the remarkable uh, experiences that got her to where she is. Now, the book that we're going to be looking at or talking about today is called How to Climb Mount Everest in Sandals, The Courage to Live an Ordinary Life. I'm going to put it up here now. Okay, and you can get that book. But uh, before we get into the the meat of that book, I just want to say welcome, Ryan, onto the show. How are you? I am fantastic. As you can see, it's a little
1: early here in Australia, so I am right out of the shower. So lucky for you.
0: <laughs> I am doing well, thank you. Oh, so good of you to shower for our show. Thank you very much. I thought it was important. It is it, indeed. This is uh, <laughs> smell of vision smell of vision I love it. So just tell us a bit about the, uh, the person, Rhiannon Rees. Uh. Um,
1: Rhiannon Rees is an incredibly loving and giving soul, and I've become that because of the carver's knife, like the strokes of the carver's knife that I've undergone. With, m- I have been blessed by multiple tragedies. And when I say that to people, they kind of go, what do you mean? Mm. Every tragedy has shaped my soul and allowed me to get closer to me. And so I've shed so much skin that I move now from a place of true liberation and a feeling that I can do anything, hence the title of the book. My role now is to inspire everyone else that they can do anything too. And the truth is none of it's hard, but it is all belief and mindset and the capacity that yes it's possible for me that's what i like to hear that's why you're on the show basically yeah. <laughs> yeah i just i feel so blessed each and every day and i'm really glad i reviewed all your questions for the show and i think you know probably the most important question of all the questions that you've asked me is the one about the rituals, and I would, I mean, I'm not sure how you want to structure the show, but that is the one that I would want to spend the most time on.
0: Okay, but before that, we'll just have to take our, our, yeah, our, our yeah, listeners <laughs> yes. and our viewers through through the whole process. And um, you, you're right in that sense, you're, you're talking about the rituals bit, but also it's the perception of who we are that determine our, our future because it determines our um i guess uh, our habits and it determines how we relate to the world or how we interpret the events that uh, impact upon us so just to start start with that because you're a business coach and you help people become or business owners become prosperous now that requires yes. some degree of becoming comfortable handling large sums of money right so, very true. Yeah, and so in your book, you talked about a stage where, you're still in the early days, before the penny dropped for you, no pun intended there, but you, you actually... <laughs> dollar drop now, Do- it's a dollar dropping. It's, it's a dollar dropping, yeah. So it's you dropping. actually had had uh, a, a rather promising relationship with a young fellow, and um, everything was going very well until... As you say in your story, he he showed you this antique table he bought for $100,000, you know, and most people would just like balk at the idea of paying $100 for a table, but this guy, um, you know, flashed out the cash. And at that point in time, you thought about something, didn't you? And that changed the whole course of the relationship interesting
1: that was my you know we all if you don't sort out the mental stuff you end up sabotaging your life over and over again so for me i have these subconscious beliefs as does everyone else and and in that moment where he showed me that side table that he purchased for a hundred thousand dollars i can still remember the feeling that went with it was a contraction it was like a. oh god and my next thought was how many lives would he have saved if he sent this money to Africa? Who am I to judge whether or not he was sending that money to Africa anyway? Like I had no idea. But I made a judgement on that money in a variety of ways because I had experienced money through my life in different ways. All of them were negative. Like the very first one, the child sexual abuse I went through, when I was in the moment with that horrible man, He asked me if he paid me money and I was only 10 or 11 years old if he could do more to me. He also offered me a gold chain so right there and then money is disgusting. Then the next thing was my father was a very successful and wealthy doctor but guess what instead of spending time with me he gave me money. I wanted time with my dad so all of my things around money were runaway, negative, dirty, disgusting. So when this man. That I was completely in love with. We were soulmates. I had the most amazing relationship with him. Showed me that table. That was the relationship was over. That was it. Gone. Done. It took me so many years to understand all of the crap and negativity I had around money. And many years of counseling and therapy to understand that money is only energy. It depends what happens to money by the choices that we make depending on the hand that is holding it. Like if I have a hand and I have a good heart and the intention to make a difference in the world, then the money that comes to my hand is going to put in water pumps in Nepal or help single mothers and that's actually what I do today. But I have no problems with unlimited wealth today because I've changed that concept of money. But boy did it take a long time because you are actually looking at the world's slowest learner. But you know what? I I did learn. I did learn. That that
0: that so is very very powerful. That that's incredible because I, I I see a lot of passion coming through. It's it's almost like, um, okay, it's a cliche, but it's wisdom born of pain, isn't it? Yeah, and I mean, absolutely. I think all the pain I have gone
1: through has shed shed so much skin that I'm very very comfortable in where I'm at, and I'm incredibly passionate. Like the losing my brother to suicide was such a gift it allowed me to appreciate this life right here in this moment. Like if my life ends in the next five minutes, my goodness, I'm going to say I had the most amazing time on this radio show and I will miss hugging my boy, but I won't have regrets because I live fully passionately in each and every moment because I understand this life, I need to treasure it. I need to treasure it.
0: Yeah, and that's a point that's missed because a lot of us tend to live in the future. It's like, okay, okay. Just be honest, while you were in the shower this morning, were you thinking about the shower or were you thinking about i have a I have an interview to do in fifteen minutes okay I was actually thinking about the shower
1: I was thinking, well, wow, this stuff feels good in my hair and it's so nice but you know what that's come from years and years like i I did read over the questions of course for the interview, but I wasn't thinking okay that I tr- I am quite present in my life these days. That's a I'm good way present.
0: Can you, can you say that word again because, like, uh, some people might have missed it, you use the word present. What do you mean by I'm that? Very, it means
1: I'm fully immersed in this moment right here and right now. I'm not worried. I'm not even thinking about whether or not I've done the grocery shopping or what my son's doing at school. Or I'm fully present because for you to be successful in your life, you need to be 100% focused in the moment. All of my opportunities are here right now in this moment. They're not in the next hour or the hour after that. And imagine that you dissect all of your energy because your thoughts wander away and they fragment into all of these different areas. I can't fully
0: allow the opportunities to unfold here and now if I'm not 100% present. Yes, and that is something, again, that most people in Western cultures especially uh, don't quite appreciate simply because it's not something that's taught to us in school it's not something people I talk about because it's seen I as agree. yeah people who wear you know sandals and eat lots of bean sprouts do this sort of stuff right normal that, people that would don't. be true too yeah see yeah. i think there's
1: a few things here that you just raised some interesting points is we have this constant mind chatter but we don't ever really attempt to shut it up. And it's the mind chatter that, oh, my God, what does Luai think of me? Does she think I my hair looks funny because it's wet? Am I too fat? Am I too thin? Is this the right color? Oh, my goodness, did I is, is the house painted right? It's all of this internal stuff that we have going on all the time that distracts us from our true purpose. Like, you know what? Here I am right now from the shower. Who cares? But I am fully coming from a heart-centered space as a heart-centered entrepreneur making a difference.
0: That's that's how I move through my world. That's that's great. It's almost like you've taken six steps to well to to go to the interview. So come back. I'm sorry. Come back. Come back. back. Sorry. Come back. back. I'm with you. I'm with you. (laughs) Okay. Breathe. We're present. Uh, Now, this this point where you you went over very fast. A lot of a lot of you, you stuff that normally people would not appreciate happening to them. And I would like, for the sake of my viewers and listeners to, to go through that bit, um, how you, you said that there was a bit of therapy, there was a bit of um, self-help books, because at one stage when you were in Canada, you read, what, 400 self-help books to put you in a frame of mind that you could uh, see your life without being so, you know, you could see the forest from the trees. You saw your life, you were the observer of your life rather than being uh, caught up in the drama. And more the point after that, did it? the book say step one, you know, stop feeling sorry for yourself, step two or something like that to to go along the lines because people do need help and sometimes they are embarrassed or maybe they don't think they have the means to go see a a psychotherapist or or a a counsellor or a clinical psychologist. How did you get out of that?
1: That, I mean, obviously that is the key question for everything. I I mean, I've had a lot of tragedies, but there's been a few in particular that have really, really shaped my life. The first one, of course, was my brother's suicide. Like, he was two years older. It was totally unexpected. I was 27 when it happened. And it was Mm -hmm. almost as if in that moment my life stopped, like everything that I'd known beforehand just sort of evaporated. And then it's like, oh, my goodness. I'm in a really bad place. Like, I thought about his death every single day for five years. So, I knew I needed help. But, what mm. sort of help did I need? There's so much help out there. What sort of help did I need? So, first of all, I thought I was very lucky to come across homeopathy, which helped me deal with all the pain and sadness around his death. And at the same time, I was just absolutely drawn. To the self-help section in the bookstore like I could go to any bookstore and I would have read half of the bookstore and I just kept going and just I, I was compulsive I would read continuously as soon as I finish one book I you know pick up another book and really what came out of that for me was that I had created this drama this nightmare all the experiences in my life perfectly for the belief systems that I held so once I once I got through the pain dealing with it through homeopathy which is a beautiful, beautiful therapy which involves taking very small doses of natural substances that mimic the the situation that you are in currently or the situation behaviours that you have. Then I started to think that I need help with the therapy side of it, with actually understanding, you know, what had happened with him. And the culmination, which actually came out of my husband being transgender, was a therapy called adlerian therapy and by far this has been the most powerful key to me unlocking all of my powerful self in the world and the reason i say that is we all have subconscious beliefs that we are unaware of that actually drive the ship now adlerian therapy adler was around the same time as jung and freud Adlerian Therapy works on the belief systems that you have created as a child, particularly around the ages of five to eight, that now is your compass for life. So mine in particular was that if I'm happy, terrible things will happen. So just imagine that your compass is set, if I'm happy, terrible things will happen, but you're fully unaware of this compass, then every subconscious choice you make will be for disaster. So of course my life reads like it is because my compass was set perfectly. When I went back and I figured out how that compass had been set and then I retrained the compass well guess what people look at me now and they go oh my god like your life's a dream like these amazing things happen. I'm like of course they do because my compass now says if I'm happy amazing things happen and guess what I wake up every morning now going oh my god my life's a dream. But it took a lot of work, a lot of therapy, a lot of counseling, Adlerian therapy, homeopathy, reading of books. Like In total, I've done 20 years of counseling, therapy, reading of books, all of that to get to this place. It didn't happen overnight. It was a process and I was interviewed in New Zealand the other day and the radio interviewer said, well, obviously 20 years of counseling did nothing for you and I said, no, each step of the therapy was a really important step for me getting to where I'm at now. Like every, you can't, I can't get across the stream by taking some, um, you know, phantasmagorical leap. I have to take a small step, find the next rock, take a small step, maybe get my toe wet, take another step and eventually I get to the other side. Well, I'm on the other side now and I want to inspire other people to do it. Yes, it will take work. Yes, you will need to find out what your compass says. And yes, you'll need to read and learn and grow and get out of your victim, poverty, scarcity mentality or whatever mentality you have around money. Because if you don't have wealth and abundance in your life now, it's because you have some sort of belief around it that's negative. And most people are fully unaware of this entire conversation we've just had. It doesn't even occur to
0: them. Yeah, yeah. So, okay, you've, you've thrown down the, the gauntlet and the challenge, and uh, I see you all revved up. So, we've got to quickly go through a commercial break, because I want to come back and take a… Oh, that. commercial! Okay. Yeah, commercial. Yeah, yes. Don't pick your nose. Uh, we're going to have a quick commercial break, and then when we come back, I want to talk to you about that little compass and how to reset the compass, which to me fundamentally means that you had, in a sense, a five-year-old running your programs. You know, you can be 35 years old or 40, but there is actually a five-year-old kid pushing the buttons in there so we'll just come back with that idea in in a few moments so okay folks hang on tight this is this is a good ride okay stay
2: you're listening to real coaching radio tv network Interact with us by calling our live shows at 303-872-0503. Send us a tweet at RCRN on Twitter. Or send a contact request to Real Coaching Radio on Skype. Would you like to put your front-end marketing system on autopilot? We'll provide you with pre-built squeeze pages, sales pages, e-commerce integration, and membership portals to capture more leads, deliver more content, convert more sales, and keep clients for the long term. For more information, go to www.realcoachingradio.net or call 303-997-2664. Would you like to host your own internet TV show? Express that one thing that you're passionate about to millions of people? Speak your mind, create deeper and longer lasting relationships with your viewers, create value, deliver results, and effectively build your personal brand. For more information, go to www.realcoachingradio.net or call 303-997-2664. Do you need a marketing and branding engine to drive leads into your website and product funnels? We will distribute your video, audio, blog content, and build backlinks including social proof and much more to all corners of the internet designed to attract prospects and the search engines. Visit www.realcoachingradio.net or call 303-997-2664 for more information. you're listening to real coaching radio tv building a positive network
0: okay welcome back my name is Laura white you're watching or listening to the show your money and your mindset and my guest today is rhiannon reese and she's written this book how to climb mount everest in sandals the courage to live an ordinary life not extraordinary but ordinary we'll ask about that title in a minute there's the book but before we went to the break Ryan on basically uh laid it on the table and said, Look, folks, we're responsible for ourselves. And before, <laughs> Yes, indeed. But before we go, I have to mind my manners and say, Hello, welcome to our syndication channels. And it's Stick and Blog TV, Real Coaching Radio, Network, Kite TV, Receiver Internet Radio, Radio root Your New Media. Uh, yes, we're all waving. Now, coming back to you, you said your reality then when you were going through a, a pretty tough time, you created, and that's taking responsibility. That's one aspect. The other aspect is saying that we have, at an early age, between five and eight, made decisions based on what we knew then, and we've been running with those programs since. So effectively, it could be a five-year-old in a. 35 year old's body doing things which are not helpful for them and then they stand there and scratch their heads and wonder why there's always this crap falling on them from a great height so can you just take us through that aspect where they can break out of that cycle
1: so I my my most powerful therapy was Adlerian therapy yeah and I highly, highly recommend that because I'm sure there's many different types of therapies that you can use, but you need to go back to the experiences that you've had that have created this compass. Like for me, when my mother left, I used to sneak out to see her for about six months and my parents found out that instead of going to violin lessons, I was sneaking out to see her because I didn't see her for 10 years. I didn't know if she was dead or alive. This was the last little piece that I saw her. And they said to me, if you do that again, you are going into foster care. I'd already been in foster care, but in that moment, I created that belief that if I do something that's right for me, that makes me happy, terrible things will happen. Like I'll get excommunicated from my clan, from my family, I'll be sent away. So I could never risk not belonging to my clan. So from that point on, I, I, all of this is subconscious. I had no idea that I created this. But from that point on i created a belief system if i'm happy terrible terrible things will happen so you know what i dated lame dogs i always i always you know struggled with money um always worked very hard just things never worked out for me because it had to match the compass that i'd created now when you go back and have this therapy you have to uncover what the what the actual experience was that created this belief or this cognitive behavior that now runs the ship just like you said lawy the five-year-old is running the, the your your life but it's not appropriate now that you're 35 or 40 and once you've pinpointed that belief then you need to change it behaviorally because the behavior if you know if i pick my nose every day i'm going to keep picking it every day because it's what i do but i need to change the behavior and to change the behavior you need that recognition in your face all the time like watch out just in case this happens so I had sticky notes, like hundreds of sticky notes up all over my house, over my TV, over my my refrigerator, my phone, my bathroom. So anywhere that I was going to spend a long period of time were these sticky notes because I had to change the behavior to match the cognitive change. Now, the sticky note said this. It said, if someone suggests something fun, you must do it because, I, because my previous compass was so if I start to have fun terrible things would happen that I would shut fun down in two seconds so as soon as it became fun I'd stop I'd go to work or I'd start mopping the kitchen floor or probably should need to do a little bit more of that around here but you know so I had that for that I had that sticky note that says if someone suggests something fun you must do it and I can tell you the very first time I had to grapple with this new behavior so my girlfriend calls me and she says hey, we're going to the lake, you should come, it'll be fun. And that word fun, I was like, oh, I could feel that contraction again. But I could see the sticky note. And the sticky note said, if someone suggests something fun, you must do it. So I'm looking at the sticky note, holding the phone, going, "Uh," and she's saying, come to the lake, it's going to be fun. And I'm like, uh, I'll come for 10 minutes. And that's how hard it was for me to say. It was so hard because there was still a fear and anxiety that bad things would happen. Well, once I started this fun thing, well, my middle name's fun. It's like, yes, I'm taking my son to Disneyland in two weeks. Yes, we went to New Zealand last week. I mean, my whole life is just trips and fun and whatever now because I've created it perfectly for my new compass, which now says if I do something fun, amazing things happen. But the average person in the population has no idea that your five-year-old is running your ship and and the fear and anxiety that this five-year-old experienced at that time is how you're making all, de- all your decisions. It's not going to work for you. You're not five anymore. Mm, so basically, you
0: exhaled. Oh, I did. Oh, I'm a very passionate person see, these days. <laughs> uh, or, or rather, it sounds like, you know, um, through that first phase, it would have been difficult because you, you've been going through it thinking... If I have fun, will bad things happen? And you sort of like, you know, you can unclench your cheeks now, folks. Um, it's okay. So it was yeah. repetition uh, that, that got you yeah. through it, wasn't it? Now, a lot of people... It, it, took about, it took about four or five months of those sticky notes. All right, but to, a lot of people to, like do like, that. Like In my face. Sorry? Yeah, but a lot of people won't have the courage to do it after the, you know, the first time, it's uncomfortable. Uh, second time, still uncomfortable, and they go, no, it's not working for me. So what got you to push through? I
1: think, here's my theory on that, that you raised such a good point. People don't want to be uncomfortable. They're happy in their little bubble, even if it's not working. It's the bubble that they know. Keep the bubble, it's nice and safe, but it's not working. You have to understand that Being uncomfortable is the only place that you'll ever grow. Being uncomfortable offers you opportunity to live an amazing life. So you know what? What I think is that it's obviously when people say, "Oh, it's too uncomfortable. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna make that change." What that really means is their life is not bad enough for them to make that change. So it's going to get worse before they actually go. I have to change now because I'm living in the gutter, or you know, my husband's now beating me up. Like. They will wait till the situation becomes a uh, uh, must. They must change
0: it. Yeah, it just reminds me of a of a story about a man going to see a, a, an old timer sitting on his porch, and he's got his hound dog, and it's howling. And he asks the the the, the owner, Why is the dog howling? And the owner says, Because it's lying on a nail. And then the man says, why does not it sit over there, where there are no nails? And the owner said, Because then it's got to get up and move.
2: You know, yeah,
0: that's right. So basically it is, isn't it? Because I'm saying that you've got to take um, responsibility for yourself. You've got to take the action. And the action part basically is what you teach people, isn't it? I mean, your coaching is called action coaching anyway. So how do you get that's people? Right. Because I'm sure people are going to go and say, look, this lady obviously knows what she's talking about. She's been there. You know, You've lived the really crappy life. And now you've got an amazing, fantastic... Uh, sort of uh, existence now so what can they expect from you if they're going to go to you for a bit of help?
1: I think that I'd like to use just a few client examples as the best way for me to explain how it works and one of them would be I mean I've, I've been coaching this girl now for about three months and in the last eight weeks the only topic that we coach is how do I charge what I charge and I just say because I do you know this is these are my fees, and she can't get around it because she doesn't charge that I'm like I don't have the issue with money you do you know and then finally she's or she's actually woken up that she's created all of this and now she's working on this abundance for herself So that's just one small example another one I really like is my retail outlet they um, basically were doing about three hundred dollars a day but their business wasn't so great and I said look I'm gonna have to fire you guys from doing the sales job because you have an inbuilt feeling on what's possible each day like for whatever reason they would never get past 300 i'm like let's not have you do that job let's get a professional in who can do that job so we hired this great sales girl she was absolutely amazing and now she's only doing 300 a day and i'm like how is she only doing 300 a day so we had this whole conversation around it and what it turns out is the owners of the store go into panic if, if someone comes in and spends more than $300. They go into panic because they assume that that person then doesn't have enough money to make it through the rest of their day or their week or their whatever. And I'm like, who are you to judge how much money they have in the bank account? So then I decided we're going to bonus our sales girl to make her work more towards the targets right so here we have this big argument about the bonus they're like well let's make it like $600 I'm like what keep keep the sales girl in the weighted pool with the floaties on or you call them water wings so that so that she can never actually make the Olympic pool and we never know if we have an Olympic athlete or not and they're, they're still confused by this whole concept and I said no let's make the target $1,500 a day and if she hits it she gets a cash bonus of $50 well, they went into absolute panic, but we did do it, and guess what? She makes it three times a week because that fifty dollars is so important to her. And we actually have an Olympic sales athlete. But at the same time, they didn't want to put it in place because their beliefs around, oh my God, these people may not be able to afford their groceries, which is their subconscious compass, was holding them back. Or my other clients who are home stagers—they stage the house before real estate the, the real estate agent sells yeah, it. Yeah. He, he's, an, he's an accountant, and he won't look at the figures, and she's a spender. And what I noticed between the two of them was, if he used the word no with her, just said, no, honey, you can't, she'd go off and buy a brand new car. So she's sabotaging the business by spending all the money. And he didn't want to ask the bookkeeper for the figures because he thought that she would think that he was questioning her ability to take care of the figures. And I said, if you don't look at the figures every day, you have no idea how you are tracking. So I just said, if I'm coaching you, You're looking at the figures every day for 10 minutes. And please, please, just don't use the word no with your wife. Just say, "Hun, can we talk about it instead of no? Over a period of like three months, they went from 30k a month to 80k a month just on that conversation. Because all of a sudden, they started to see where they could spend less or they could make more money. They started putting money away. She started spending less. Like None of it's rocket science, but where I excel is I'm a human behavior expert. So I put that into the business coaching and the whole thing takes off.
0: So very interesting, yeah. very, very interesting so basically, you had to you had to get the husband and the wife, I suppose, separately at one stage and ask them what is really of value in their lives first before they can relate to I need to look at my uh, behavior and actions and then modify them if I have to to make this business work. Okay. I'm probably
1: not that nice, LaWai. I actually said to them, I actually said to them, excuse me, guys, I have to say something about your behavior in front of them. And they're like, what? I'm like, I can see that if we continue down this path, you're going to drive this ship into the ground and we'll go bankrupt because you're a spender and you won't look at the figures. Like, that's how straight I was with them. I don't believe in sugarcoating anything. So I was, and they, they were in shock. But once they, then I explained more to them how it, I saw it happening. Then they took it on board. They went, okay. And then they were so surprised that it was actually true. They didn't know it was a subconscious belief, but they had no idea. But I could see it. I spent five or six hours with them and I could see it unfolding. Wow. So that... I'm pretty direct. I'm pretty, I'm pretty direct because I think sometimes if you're not, you lose the actual pearls in the message and i'd rather you know that you know i have five fingers on his hand it's a hundred percent Then me go well i've got kind of cold feeling down here you know you'd be lost you'd be lost
0: Ah, <laughs> oh, this is great this is great look i've just got a note that says we have to go for a commercial break and by the way this show Another one. yeah this show is being featured on blog tv where uh, um Lots of people, gazillions of people are watching. So when we come back, we have to say hello to these blog TV people. So be a quick commercial break. Hang on tight, folks. No worries. No worries. Okay, we're back from this mini commercial break. How's that? <laughs> Hi, Blogger. <laughs> Hello, blog tv people nice to see you uh and thank you for watching this show this is fun isn't it now my guest is rayon and reese okay a no-nonsense business coach and man no uh, i i can imagine being coached by how i feel as though i've been slapped around the head so it's called how to climb mount everest in sandals and the courage to live an ordinary life let's go back to the book for a second because we're supposed to be talking about the book okay um yeah, yeah. Now, you you You've had you chronicled a lot of things that happened in your life, okay. and I'm going to ask you something. That's uh, it's in it's in the the the, the, uh, the list of questions I sent you, and I'm just I'm just going to read it out to you. Basically, in one chapter, you said I had a one-year-old son, thirty-five staff in a failing business, a toxic partnership, and a cross-dressing husband. S- which was the worst thing? So I want to know: Did you feel like giving up at this stage and ask why me? Uh, or did you go, at that stage, have enough internal wisdom to say, man, i got to learn something. The universe is telling uh, me something. And because I've of never that, really so, been... And because of that, Sorry. I am destined for something huge. Uh, you know, I really wish that it
1: could could be how you put it, but honestly and truly it's not quite that fairy tale. I... Um, <sighs> For well, me, when it actually happened, I thought to myself, I absolutely will turn around this business partnership and this I had never had a failure before. So to have such a huge failure in business with a company for 12 years that we only made $500 a month every month for 12 years and I had 35 um, employees, I had never thought that I would not turn it around. I always thought I'd make it succeed. And then my, my business partnership, we were, it was so toxic. Even though we tried to get a coach, they said to us, you are uncoachable. So then we tried to get a life coach and that didn't work either. Why? Then we ended up with a mediator. but Well, because we were always at each other's throats, it was our egos running the ship. Like we would make sure that neither of us got to choose what was the decision for the business. So the business became the, the third cousin Like as far as decisions mm. for the business. It got the third best decision. So you can't run a business if it's not the best decision for the business. So our egos were constantly battling with each other. And then oh sorry, my cat just jumped up. And then um It's reality T V Yeah, it is yeah, there you go. And so my I had my one year old son, so I was tired, I wasn't sleeping and my husband's come out now as transgender it was like someone had said to me how many stars are in the sky I'm like I don't know a gazillion a gazillion. A like I just couldn't hold it and I was trying to find some sanity in this bleak situation that I would got myself into and what I thought was I'll just put one foot in front of each other in every moment I'll just keep making those little tiny steps but What happened was it got way, way worse. I ended up house-sitting in over 40 houses for three years because I didn't have any income. So my life was a bit like Will Smith's pursuit of happiness until I got to the point where I ended up living in a tent going to the food bank for food and I had absolutely nothing. I felt like I was 100 years old and I just wished that I wouldn't wake up in the morning. And not that I wanted to die or kill myself, Mm. but I just didn't have any energy left to do anything And the turning point for me was something worse, was that I got a call from my mum to say I'm very, very ill, and even though I'm one of eight children, I would be the only one who would be there for my mum. Like no one else is going to do anything because they don't have a relationship with her. So I thought to myself, if I don't figure out my situation and my mum dies because I haven't found a way to get back and help her out and be there for her, I will never forgive myself. Do you know I turned it around in like four days Called all my friends, said I need money or points to get back to Australia. I was back in four days and I I lived with my mum in her one-bedroom apartment for five months looking after her until she got her health back and then I started to rebuild my life. That was the turning point, was something even worse, something outside myself because I certainly wasn't able to do it for me. And even though I cried myself to sleep at night, every night, looking at my son going, I just want to give him a swimming lesson. Or I would love to actually feed him something other than lentils and rice. And one night while I held the torch, I wrote down on a piece of paper what's the most ridiculous amount of money that I could ever make in a month so we don't have to live like this because I'd lived on $500 a month for 12 years. And I wrote down $40,000 and never thinking that I would do it. Well, 18 months later, I made $40,811 in a month. And like now, it's not even about the income because I make very good income. It's actually about the the fiber of my being and the opportunities I have to make a difference and to help people see that they can too.
0: That's amazing. It was such a huge gift. It is, isn't it, in retrospect? Okay. So I want to say again to uh, welcome the viewers on Blog TV. Thank you very much for tuning <laughs> in because, yeah, because you you guys have come at a right time. Uh, we have a, a, an a amazing guest here, Rhiannon Reese, who's basically shelling out pearls of wisdom and not sugarcoating it, which is great. I I appreciate that for, you know, usually people are more polite because we're on air. But no, I, I appreciate the fact that you're telling it like it is. But also what I want the people on blog TV to, to, to take away from this uh, conversation is that you can hit rock bottom. And in your case, it was like you were being smacked from all sides. I mean, you don't expect to come home one day and see your husband dressed in your underwear. You know, and no, then and absolutely. then for him to turn around and say, "Really, I prefer living as a girl or dressing as a girl, a female, and so forth." It must have been like, you know, you're you're looking to your partner to be, in a sense, the person whose shoulder you can lean on. But you know, the guy's wondering whether he wants to match his your handbags with with your 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 shoes on him. Well, we'd um
1: we been together for eight years, and he was a firefighter and a surveyor and extreme skier and a mechanic, all those macho things, but the macho was actually the cover-up, but I had no idea. Like, everyone says you must have known. I'm like, I had no idea. Our relationship was fantastic. You know, he was very masculine, very manly, and so when I came home to him in my lingerie, I just couldn't compute that. I just couldn't. My mind couldn't, like, what? like are you is this a sexual fetish is this my husband am I in the right house like you know and then when he said to me I've always wanted to be a girl I honestly and truly I just I couldn't believe it I thought he was so traditional and conservative and all the things I'd ever wanted in a partner this came so out of the blue that for about the next 18 months if you had said hi I'm the white and I do this radio show I'd be like who are you really who are you when you go home at night because I'd never believe what anyone told me like The level of deceit that I felt from everyone and the fact that my whole dream life had turned upside down. like Even though we didn't have any money, I still felt that I lived a dream because I had a beautiful boy and all of that. I thought my life was over. I thought it was ruined. I thought I'd never get another bite of the cherry. And that's probably why I don't sleep anymore. It's because I love my life every minute now because it's so amazing. But it took to going to the bottom of the barrel to have absolutely nothing. Like I wasn't even washing my... Like I used to wear camouflage pants to work. I think I might have washed them twice in a year. I just didn't care anymore. I did not care. And now it's just so amazing. My ex now, I call her my ex-wife. We're actually good friends now. She's going to write a chapter in my new book, which is a workbook for how to make these changes. She's writing a chapter for how it's happened for her because she's the happiest she's ever been. We're good friends now. But, you know, for a long time, I would drive down to her place in Vancouver at 2 a.m. in the morning. It's a five-hour round trip from Whistler with my son in the back, open the screen doors and just start having what I call trucker's mouth. Every word that you shouldn't speak came out of my mouth. I was so mad at her, him, for ruining my life and then I closed the door and I've drive home. So, you know, there was lots of therapy and anger and stuff and betrayal and grief and guilt to get through before I felt free from that. A lot.
0: Yeah, because, you know, um, this is the hard part for a lot of people because there is the belief that and I I believe it to be so, that we attract people into our lives because of who we are at that point in time, simply because they have something to teach us or we have something to teach them. We, We learn from each other. Now, that is a very bitter pill for lots of people to swallow, as in, you know... I didn't ask for an abusive husband, or I didn't ask for you know that that sort of a. a, The first thing that pops up in people's head will be the indignation that you know how dare you say that I'm inviting this sort of crap into my life. And in fact, the truth is, you are. We are. Yes. Hundred percent.
1: Hundred percent. Because if my compass said if I'm happy, terrible things will happen. Of course, I'm going to marry a transgender person because I'll make sure I'm never happy you know, because my compass says that. So we invite our, our, the lives that we lead today are perfect for the belief systems that we carry. If you have an abusive partner or you don't have money or food or whatever, yes, you've created it perfectly for yourself. The question is, what do you need to do to create a different reality, one that's positive, one that brings you all the things that you would love and would want to enjoy? And that's going to take a lot of work. That doesn't happen overnight. That's yeah. going to take a lot of
0: work. Well, that takes a lot of uh, self-realization. Takes a lot of courage and guts uh, as well. So now we're just going to fast forward to where you are today, and to maintain the momentum and to maintain this level of uh, optimism, to uh, you know, positive mental attitude, that sort of outlook. You you need to, as I say in 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 the in the fitness industry, too, that you need to maintain a sort of a, uh, a yeah. A fitness regime. Yeah. So you have a mental, spiritual fitness regime. Uh, people call them success habits. I mean, we call them what you want. But can you tell us about that to 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 um, somebody who thinks maybe just maybe they can do what you do?
1: Yeah, I am. Um, I'm very very strict on certain principles in my life. And the first thing is almost every day. Like I have an ankle injury at the moment, but almost every day I'll go for a 10k run and a walk. And how it starts off is the, I either do the run first. And in that run, I'm just emptying out, like my mind is empty. So I'm letting go of just stuff. And then when I do the walk, there's a few things that happen in the walk. I do gratitude every single day. Thank you, universe. I'm so grateful for my life. And gratitude brings more things. The other thing I do, which is paramount in your life, is what I call critical thinking time. So after I've done my gratitude, I will have my critical thinking time, which basically is What move could I make in my life today that would be the best use of my time and also leverage my life and my business to another place? Most people will struggle over the concept of leverage because they don't get it. Like if you're trying to push a boulder with your hands, you can't move it, but you can easily lever it. So it's the idea that you can do more with less. So, I mean, for example, I did my first book all by myself. My goodness, that was a lot of work. I'm doing second book. I'm farming out different chapters saying, okay, I want an expert to write on this chapter, that chapter, that chapter. Like it's being written while well, I don't even think about it. That is leverage. That's fantastic. That is leverage. Yeah, so, yeah. So those, so those parts are part of my morning ritual that I do every day. Now, now, hang, hang on a second.
0: Hang on a second, Rihanna. Yes. Uh, there's somebody from Blog TV is so excited that they're actually going to ask you a question right now. They've just... dashed yes. ch- ...into a chat room. Sorry, sorry for that. Uh, now, because... They they resonating with what you said with uh, your, your going through the crap. Um, how does one person go through or or you know process the pain that another person has caused them? It sounds like they're hurting, so they, they would like you to um, you know offer Are you su- suggestions. Absolutely.
1: So the question is, how does one person process the pain that another person has caused them? So if I was coaching this person right here and now, I would say stop because the other person didn't cause you anything. You have created your life. So you have allowed that person to cause you harm or hurt or you have invited them in based on the belief systems that you carry because another person does not have the power to do that to you. Once you are empowered, once you are fully empowered in yourself, it doesn't happen anymore. And I'll give you an example. So I used to live like that. Other people caused me lots of pain. In coaching terms, we call that a victim mentality. That's living below the line because what I'm doing is giving my power away and saying, Lawai, you're making me mad or you're making me sad or you're causing me pain. Lawai, you don't have the power to do that. Only I can choose. To be in pain or choose that, and if you're doing something that's painful, so if you do something to hurt me, Lui, my first point of reference is to actually call you on it and say, "Excuse me, Lui, I have to say to you, when you do that to me, it is painful, and I will not accept that behaviour anymore from you. I will not accept it. So you have to make a, a draw a line in the sand. I don't accept this anymore. There's. It depends on exactly what situation this person is talking about, but first and foremost. We create the reality we live in, and no one else has the power or control to put something on us. It's that we accept it. So, what will we not accept?
0: Okay, so the person from Blog TV who, who, uh, put this question in i hope that has helped you to uh, get some clarity around it if you want to pop another question in please do so we have another about uh, 10 minutes left but just going on from there what this uh one more important
1: thing i wanted to say about so, the ritual yeah yeah one more really, really important thing i want to cover is that i visualize visualize in my head my dream life like the life i want to be living how it manifests in my head fifteen, twenty times a day and I put myself into that space emotionally. So this is how I'm living, this is how it rolls out, this is who I'm meeting, this is how it is with my son and all that. And it's real to me. It is real to me. And guess what? It's manifesting.
0: It's happening as we speak. Yeah, but that's that's a thing that people will have trouble with because if you're living in a dump and you want to be, you know, financially independent it's a bit, uh, there's a bit of that, that clash, isn't it, uh, when you're living in a you know, crappy situation and you're thinking, oh, I'm actually sitting in the Intercontinental Hotel somewhere in the, in the top floor penthouse suite. So how do they make that, that adjustment that it, it matches, it meshes? Well, the interesting thing about
1: that is your subconscious mind and your con- conscious mind do- cannot distinguish between what's real and what's not real. So if you're in a dump and you are li- and, and visualizing yourself at the Intercontinental, somewhere along the way, your subconscious mind's going to go, this has to be real. So if you then make a plan to work towards it, what your subconscious mind does is it will spot opportunities for you and help you align, but you still need to work on the compass. If the compass is off, the other thing I would do in that situation is if you're living in a dump but you want to live in the intercontinental, you need to look in that face of the dump and go, hey, what is great about this situation now? Hey, it's a beautiful day in the dump or there's lots of stuff in the dump because that, that represents abundance. So you need to turn on the positive thinking and start to see your life in a different light to make it change. But do remember that your subconscious and conscious has no concept of what's real. So if you think it, it will be real then you have to work towards it
0: okay and a last uh, bit of a comment from you for the person from blog TV about how do I process the pain another person causes you actually gave uh, some steps which were more to do with among other things uh, having self-esteem and self assertiveness is that correct
1: yeah they're probably the most important things that I always ask my clients why are they doing so well and there's a few things that they consistently say the reason they're doing so well number one is because I believed in them so you have to have a belief in yourself that it's possible number two is you need to work on your self-confidence and self-esteem if you don't have confidence you'll never go anywhere because you need a lot of confidence to move through this world because the more confident you become the bigger your hurdles so you have to be able to say bring on the hurdles I'll jump them I'll learn how what there's two questions I get my clients to ask themselves all the time and these are very very powerful questions number one is how have I how have I created the situation that I now live in how have I created that number two is even more powerful what do I need to change to make that situation different? because when you change in here then your outside world will reflect that change. So for that blogging person on TV, I would say to them, look inside yourself and ask yourself, how have you created a situation where someone causes you pain and what do you need to do to make that difference, because you need to change, not them. You need to change.
0: Yeah, and most people, when you say that to them, they don't even know where to start with the self-esteem thing. So they, if they want to come and talk to you, and I suggest that might be a good idea to talk to on about yes. this. Uh, how can they contact you?
1: Through my website, Love Living the Dream. I have the email contact there. So Love Living the Dream is the best place to get hold of me or through Action Coach, but probably through Love Living the Dream.
0: Okay. Or if they the do- other thing
1: I will recommend is a few books to read. Like the very first book I ever read was The Road Less Traveled by Scott Peck. Now, it's a brilliant book and also to the Tibetan book of living and dying. Fabulous. It's a tough read, but it's fabulous.
0: Uh, what about uh, Louise Hayes, course, You Can my- heal Your Life? brilliant and my book of course (laughs) oh yeah Yeah. that's the whole idea of this chat today (laughs) there you go Yeah, Yeah. so you know where can they get the book if they are interested in uh, having a read especially the part where you got you turned your life around you can can
1: purchase it online at love living the dream or you can purchase it through Amazon so it's online at Amazon
0: and it is in some bookstores as
1: well so you can purchase it through bookstores too
0: Okay, that's fantastic. So what can I say But this hour has just flown, and thank you again for the people. It's amazing stuff that, that needs to be said, and sometimes people, like you say, tend to be overly polite when, when it is not uh, in the best interest of the person who has to hear this stuff because it's hard to swallow because it means it calls them into account and it calls them on their own behaviours. Like you said, when you were in that business that didn't go well, um, there was there were aspects that you didn't want to see. It's a bit like the ostrich with the head in the sand thing. Uh, I, I, Very I Yeah, I use that analogy where, you know, it says, if you have your head in the sand, your assets are exposed. So, you know, you're going to get a kick up the bum.
1: True, absolutely.
0: Yeah, so, you know, it's... You've got, it's,
1: you've got to get to know yourself and get real.
0: Yeah, and get real with that. And so, the way to do that, among other things, folks, while watching and listening, is to uh, get in touch with Rianne Reese. And uh, you can actually, if you just Google the name R H I A N O N R E S, at least you can get to her website. And if you need some more, you know, you need your head to be slapped around a bit in the nicest possible <laughs> way. <laughs>
1: Velvet glove. gloves. Velvet gloves.
0: But it sounds like you get results. Okay, that's the bottom line. You yeah. get results. Yeah. If you got a client who really wants to change their lives around, and like you say, you've you've had uh, examples where people weren't in business anyway, who weren't making the sort of money they were supposed to, and until they they got comfortable with being uncomfortable, and you were the person who was coaching them through that, and. I'm sure offering them a lot of support uh, in many ways that we haven't talked about today, that they got to that stage. So, um, at the end of the day, what is that one thing you want to leave behind for your children? uh, Sorry, your child and the kids of the of the next generation.
1: The most important thing, obviously, is for my son to be happy. But the next most important thing that I empower him to believe is I tell my son very regularly that he can do anything you can do anything I know he can and if we all believe that we could do anything oh my goodness could you imagine the world that we would live in
0: you can do anything
1: you just can
0: that is an amazing piece of advice to give anybody and it's a precious gift uh, that I think every parent should give their child so on that note uh, what can I say but thank you very much Raim for taking the time to come on the show and even bothering to shower sure. beforehand. <laughs> <Okay>. so, <laughs> well, smell-o-vision, I like that. smell uh-huh. vision So, folks, you've been watching the show, Your Money and Your Mindset, and Rhiannon's just basically proved to you that what goes on between your ears ultimately depends where you get in life. So, Rhiannon, thank you, and God one, bless. One,
1: pass, one passing thought. Your self-worth will equate to your net worth. So get your self-worth up.
0: Brilliant. Brilliant. Thanks for that. Okay. So cheers, everybody.
2: Today's podcast is brought to you by obesityhotline.com, the silent killer, providing support and encouragement in the prevention.